Hey friends, this is Dr. Patrice Buckner Jackson, but you can call me PBJ, and I'm here with another episode of the Love Always PBJ podcast, where we are focused on three things. One, an identity securely rooted in Christ. Number two, a purpose that flows from a heart to serve. And number three, relationships that are worth the cost. This podcast is my letter of love to millennials. My goal is to offer you some practical wisdom that you can apply to your life Right now, honey, starting today with all of the phenomenal characteristics of this millennial generation, if you add these hard-fought, long-time learned practical wisdom along with those characteristics, oh, my friend, you cannot lose. So that is what we're doing here on this podcast. I encourage you, if you are a millennial and you are willing to submit a question or submit a scenario or even even record with me for this podcast, send me an email at podcast at patricebucknerjackson.com. Again, podcast at patricebucknerjackson.com. I'll put that in the description. Also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Patrice Buckner Jackson um, so that we can keep up with each other. Every Monday, I drop what I call a spoonful of PBJ, just a little bit of inspiration for your week. So I encourage you to join our family over there on Instagram as well. So let's get into it, y'all. Today, today is going to be story time. Yeah, I tell you one of my stories, but we are focused on something called the quarter life crisis. Have you all heard of this? The quarter life crisis um, is lack lacking to um, midlife crisis. It's like likened to midlife crisis, you know, someone turns 50 and then they buy a motorcycle or a Ferrari because they're trying to reclaim something, you know, they, they feel like they're missing something and they're trying to reclaim it in life. Well, the quarter life crisis is compared to midlife crisis, but it's different. The quarter life crisis is based on early life, so early 20s, maybe into the 30s, really struggling to try to find identity and to figure out this adulting thing. Um, There's a lot of research and a lot of YouTube videos on the quarter life crisis right now. And um, it's interesting that now it has a name because I'm convinced that I had a quarter life crisis. And that's what I'm going to tell you all about today. So I'm going to share my perspective and then we're going to talk a little bit more about what it is. And then I got some tips and some advice for you all who may be in that stage of life right now, this quarter life crisis. So let's go into a little bit of story time. I almost, almost got married right after college, 21 years old, almost got married. Um, I had been in a relationship with the same person pretty much my entire college career. Um, It was a good relationship. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. We had been through a few things together. and um, But anyway, so grateful that that didn't work out. Um, We broke up apparently right before he offered the ring. Someone told me that later. I'm so glad. At that point in life, I thought he wasn't ready, but I'm here 
here to tell you that Patrice PBJ was not ready, okay? I was not ready to be anybody's wife at that stage of life. I thought I was because that's what you're told, right? You're told that once you've been in a relationship a few years and it's pretty good, you know, there are no major hiccups, it's time to get married. So that's what I expected to come different or to come next, but y'all... I was not ready, um, and I would not have been a good wife for him. Um, so I'm so glad that we we did not end up there. After that relationship, it really seemed like all the walls were closing in on me. I was in South Carolina. I grew up in South Carolina. I went to college in a different town, but still in the same state. And I just felt like everything that was foundation for me was just crumbling. You know, I was done with college. I was working, wasn't really enjoying my work at that time. Um, I was very heavy into my church and there was a lot of drama there. And it just seemed like everything that held me uh, stable was rocking. It was rocking at that time. And I just made a decision. I said, okay, first place to take me, I'm applying all over the country. And the first place to take me, that's where I'm going. (laughs) I'm out of here. The first job to accept me, I'm going, I don't care where it is in the country. I'm out. And I'm in it. I meant it. So I applied to several different jobs and I got a job offer in San Antonio, Texas. And I packed up my little apartment, what I had at the time, y'all. It was so sad. It was enough to go into one of those little U-Haul trailers hitched to the back of my little red car. Y'all should have seen me driving from South Carolina to San Antonio, Texas, 15 hours with all of my little belongings in a little U-Haul hitch. You couldn't tell me nothing. I was driving towards freedom. You hear me? I moved my little self. My stepdad rode with me and moved my little self to San Antonio, Texas. Didn't have family there. Um, I knew of one person there, um, and, but other than that, didn't have anybody, didn't have any connections. I was just starting over. I was starting over. And y'all, I got to be honest, at first it was rough. It was rough. First of all, don't ever choose a place to live just online without seeing it. Somebody hear me. Now, this was back in 2003. What in the world was I doing choosing an apartment just based on a website? Don't do it. I moved into this place, y'all. The people, first of all, they broke into my car like the second night I was there took all my stuff, left the rest of the stuff just strewn out all over the pavement in the parking lot. Then soon after that, people started banging on my door late at nine and into the morning. So two and three o'clock in the morning, people just banging on my door and running away. Y'all, I was terrified. I was terrified and I was convinced that I had made a mistake that I should not have done this, um, that I needed to go back home. I was terrified, but I stuck it out. I stuck it out. When I moved there, it didn't make a whole lot of logical sense. Just in my heart, I knew I needed it. And I stayed because in my heart, I knew I needed it. But those first few months were 
rough they were. They were tough, y'all, but things got better. Things got better. Um, I got a friend group, found a church, um, and we were all transplants. All of us were from someplace else. Several of those folks were in the military. San Antonio is a big um, Air Force and Army um, city. So I had lots of friends um, through my church who were in the military and, and other friends who had transplanted to San Antonio for many different reasons. Um, and we started taking care of each other. We We became family, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I went through this time, especially spiritually. I was in a space when I was in Texas that I asked God, I said, you have to reteach me. I want to forget everything I've ever learned about you, um, and I want you to reteach me because I had seen, y'all, I've been in church all my life. I can't remember ever not being in church, and I had seen so many things in church. I'm not talking about in the world. I'm in church. I had seen so many things that was or seemed contrary to the word, so I felt like I was being taught one thing. Verbally, but then when I watch your life, I see something else. So I was in conflict and I wasn't in a space that I didn't believe in God, but I would definitely had doubts about God's people. Let's just be honest. I definitely had doubts about God's people and I needed a refresh. I needed him to teach me for me and not according to what others had always taught me. So that's what I prayed and that's what I asked him to do. And that is what he did. That's what he did. I dug into the word and studied and studied. I was so thirsty, so hungry for it. And I studied and my relationship with God really grew. I mean, that that was probably um, the most significant period of my life um, when it comes to spirituality, when I was in Texas, away from everything I'd ever known, everything church-wise, everything family-wise, I was away from everything. And God just took that time to love on me and to teach me about his love and how much he loved me and what he thought about me and who he really is. And it was really, really cool. And we'll we'll talk about that more in depth at another time. But um, it was beautiful for that. It was beautiful for this diverse group of friends that we had, you know, kind of a band of misfits. Like we just all came together, different cultures, different races, different everything. And our our tie that bound us together um, was our relationship with God and our desire to be closer to him. Um, and we just took care of each other. We celebrated each other's birthdays. We were there when people had tragedies, when their hearts were broken. We were we were there. We were there. We were all kind of in our 20s and 30s and just loving on each other. I mean, some of us were never married. Some of us were divorced. Some people had children. Um, a lot of us didn't have children, but we just took care of each other and it was good. It was good. And I was growing and 
in a settled place. But even in the midst of all of that, that was good. I was in this turmoil, y'all. So I was working on my master's degree and I was working um, in higher ed, but not in student affairs where I found my actual career. Um, I was working in another division of higher education. um, and, And my thought was, well, I'm just doing this until I get my master's because I'm getting a master's in counseling. And, you know, after I get my master's and get licensed, I'm going to be a marriage and family counselor. You know, that that's what I thought was going to happen, you know? Um, so I was, I was sticking in there. Okay. I'm going to do this work, but I had no passion for that work, y'all. No passion. I was dealing with um, software systems um, and faculty members. I love faculty members. Shout out to y'all. But it is not the same as walking life out with my students at all. And I got connected to higher education originally through my connection with students and mentoring and and being a peer mentor and guiding. And I wasn't doing that. The work, um, the title was nice, you know. I went from student assistant to associate registrar. If you know anything about higher education, I mean, that's a really good position for somebody fresh out of college. Um, The title was nice. The salary was nice. But I had zero passion. I could not stand going to work and dealing with that software all day long. It was literally taking me out. I just couldn't keep doing it. So I made a drastic decision and I said, you know what? Until I finish this master's, I got to do something and I need to do something that I love. So I resigned that position and I took a different position at a different college um, as a residence hall director, meaning I gave up that apartment. I needed to give up that apartment. (laughs) I needed to get the heck out of there. But I gave up my apartment. And I moved on to this campus into a into an apartment on campus with my residents, um, a huge pay cut. But at that point, I, I wasn't married. I didn't have family. I didn't have children. I could take that kind of risk because it was just me. It was just me. So I took that pay cut and moved into the residence halls and took what somewhat might um, think was a demotion. But I loved it. I loved it. I was a part of my students' lives on a daily basis. I mean, literally, literally living with them, folks knocking on the door, asking for toilet paper. I mean, every time I walked out my door, there were my residence where I was living, where I was working, y'all. And I loved it. It was my passion. As a matter of fact, I'm still in contact with many of those students. They are grown and have their own family. Some of them are working in higher education. Shout out to St. Mary's University. I am still in contact with a lot of those students. I found my love again, and it was 
awesome to be back in that place. But I was still in the midst of this turmoil. Is this what I'm supposed to do? Am I accomplishing enough? When when am I going to be promoted? What do I need to move up? It, it was always this constant battle of who am I and what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be doing? So instead of staying in that place of, you know, I love this, I'm with my students, I'm living life out with them, walking life out with them, I pursued promotion and I got it. And it was still in student affairs, but it was not living. Um, I lived in for about a year, maybe a little more than a year. And then I was promoted to a position where I didn't live on campus anymore. And um, it was uh, the, the, a conduct position. So um, I was responsible for holding students accountable for the rules and giving out sanctions when they didn't. And um, still really good engagement with students, uh, but I wasn't living with them and I was focused more on those um, teachable conversations every day. And so I had to find a place to live and I found a roommate or had a roommate out of my friend circle and we moved into an apartment and both of us were struggling financially. And um, it got to a point where it was so tough financially that we had to find other places to live, y'all. Um, it was rough. My financial situation was a culmination of a lot of things. There are a lot of things about finances that I didn't know, that I was never taught. So I made some irresponsible decisions, especially in college, concerning credit. Um, So all of that was upon me. Um, And I told you, I took a pay cut, a major pay cut, chasing passion. And I love passion, but passion don't pay the bills sometimes. Um, So I found myself getting deeper and deeper in debt. Um, And that was very stressful and very distressing. Um, I had moments, y'all, of searching my car seats for money to put gas in my car. I'll never forget it. Um, I had moments of having one can of lima beans in the pantry because I couldn't afford to go grocery shopping. Um, Had moments of having notices put on the door. If you don't pay, you got to leave. I know what it's like to live in that space. And I had family members who loved me. I had people that I could have reached out to, but I was so prideful. I didn't want them to know um, what state I was in in Texas. I didn't want them to know that things are not going well. I I felt like if I told them I needed help, it was an admission that I never should have moved there in the first place. And I didn't believe that. I didn't want people to feel that way. And I also didn't want to be a burden to anybody. I was doing my big girl thing. I was doing my grown woman thing. And I wanted to do it myself. You know, I can do it myself. I can handle it myself. And the more I tried to do it myself, the worse I made it. I dug myself deeper and deeper. Y'all, you can't borrow your way out of debt. Let me just say that. You cannot borrow your way out of debt at some point. You have to stop the cycle. Um, You have to stop the cycle and you have to start to rebuild and dig yourself out. But at that point in life, I did not know that. I didn't understand. I didn't know what to do. So I was trying to find anything from giving blood, giving plasma to what y'all listen. It was rough. 
it was rough and in the midst of all of that, you know, moving from this friend's house to that friend's house, living with this one and living with that one. And I was so torn because I'm such an accomplisher. I like to get an A, right? I like to get it right. I like for people to be happy with me. I like for my bosses and my supervisors and my parents and everybody to be happy about what I'm doing. And in that space of life, I was not getting an A. I was not doing life well. And I'm so grateful that I had people around me who encouraged me. They didn't know all of what was going on. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell one soul everything that was going on. Nobody knew the whole story. Um, but there were people who um, kind of kept their eyes on me like, okay, we, we haven't seen you in church. We haven't seen you around. What's going on? Come talk to us. Um, in, the, in, in that space of time, I remember my grandmother passed away. My mom's mom passed away. And I came home and put on this facade of, you know, everything's beautiful. Everything is going well. I just came home to love on y'all and went back to Texas with a broken heart thinking, girl, you should have stayed yourself home. You should have stayed home because this is a mess. Um, just wrestling, wrestling with life and trying to find my way that, you know, I wasn't in a relationship and I wanted to be in a relationship. And there were times during that space that I thought I was going to be and I thought I was being pursued and I thought someone was interested in me. Um, that person ended up marrying a friend from that friend circle, and my crazy self was a bridesmaid. Y'all, listen, I told you I'm going to tell you all my business, and it was sad. It was sad. Um, just all the things, all the things that I was told you're supposed to do in your 20s. Um, I was told you're supposed to get married. I was told you're supposed to have children. Um, I had the idea that I had a college degree and eventually I had a master's. Okay, so I should know what I'm doing with my life. Um, all of this should be coming together. My money should be right. All of this should be happening. And it was not happening for your girl. It was not happening. Um, I have a sister, and uh, my sister, she's an attorney. She should be. She was born to be one. You hear me? But this is the sister who, oh, I'm going to ask the question, and I'm going to say what nobody else wants to say. Um, and at that point, we were kind of working on our relationship and building our relationship. And she called to check out because I wasn't reaching out to anybody at that point. She called to check on me. And I was, you know, trying to mask it just like I did with everybody else. And she said, are you depressed? Girl, what are you talking about? What? Are you, I'm fine. Patrice, are you depressed? I'm fine. All is well. Don't worry about me. Nothing's wrong. I'm grateful for her asking the question. I wasn't accepting it then. Now, looking back, I believe that I was. Um, I remember days of not wanting to die but not wanting to live because I could not see my way out 
of what I was in. I couldn't find a way out of the debt. I couldn't find a way out of the loneliness and the isolation. Um, It didn't feel like there was a brighter tomorrow. It felt like I would I had dug myself so deeply that I wasn't going to be able to get out. That's what it felt like. Let me just pause right here and say that if you are in a situation where you can't see your way out and you don't see an opening, let me tell you that there is a brighter day coming. And if I had given up and if I had quit and if I had let go in that season, I would have missed out on all of the beautiful things in life that I enjoy right now. So don't you give up. There is support, there is help, and there is a tomorrow. I need you to know that. There is a tomorrow. So I do believe, getting back to the story, I do believe my sister told on me. She's never admitted that. But I'm pretty certain she told on me um, because it was soon after that that my dad um, started really reaching out and offering, hey, why don't you come, you know, to where I live? There's a university here um, that you can work at. You could get your doctorate here. And I'm thinking, "Uh, no, thank you. I have been grown and on my own for all these years, and now you want me to live with a parent, not to mention a parent that I've never lived with. I grew up with my mom and my stepdad. I had never lived with my father, and he was offering, listen, you can come here, you can stay with us, and, um, you know, all these opportunities here. Uh, No, sir. (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. I'm grown. I'm going to figure this out. And he kept offering. And he kept offering and he kept offering and I kept denying. But the more he offered, the more my heart opened to it, the more my heart opened to it. And I'll be honest, the thing that really convinced me was in that stage of life, my dad was caring for his wife, my stepmom, um, who needed 24 hour care uh, because of illness. Um, And he also had my baby sister still at home with him, um, who was about 16 at the time, I believe. And um, my heart was drawn towards, man, he needs help. There's a lot going on in that house for one man, and and he needs help. Um, And I truly believe that God just softened my heart. And I ended up moving away from Texas, leaving Texas. I was in Texas for six years. Um, And I ended up leaving Texas to move to Georgia to be with my dad. I was convinced that I was going to help him. But ultimately what happened is that is where my healing began. That is the place that I got a reset and a restart um, my relationship with my dad prior to that um, struggled because we didn't know each other. I didn't grow up with him, and I had lots of questions about our relationship and about his love for me. And living with him for those two years was a beautiful experience. I got to know him. He got to know me. And to this day, he is one of my best friends and probably my first call in a whole lot of situations. Um, Not only that, living with my dad gave me a financial reset. 
And I was able to get a hold of my financial life and start making better decisions and start digging myself out of the situation that I had created um, due to his wisdom, but also due to him taking care of me. I didn't have rent. I didn't have electricity or utilities. I wasn't buying much groceries. He took care of me. Um, Now, my 27-year-old self had some pride issues because what are you doing living with your parents, being taken care of? But I needed that reset. I needed that reset. I needed that reset. Like I said, I lived with him for two years. In that two years, um, my career grew. My financial situation got better. My heart healed. My heart healed. Um, There were wounds there concerning my relationship with my dad. And he and I just really, it's a beautiful thing. And we'll talk more about that on another episode. But... I didn't know that there was a such thing called a quarter-life crisis. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know what to call it. All I knew is that I couldn't figure my life out. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or where I was supposed to be um, to the point where I was crushed by it. It was a heavy weight, and reaching out to family and being honest and accepting help Receiving help um, is what helped me to transition through that um, and to find purpose. Even before I found my husband, I found healing. I found purpose, started getting my life together. Our marriage was not my savior. When I met him, I was doing life and I was doing all right. Um, And when he came along, we could enjoy being married and we could get to know each other. I didn't need a superhero. I didn't need a savior. I was secure in my relationship with God. I already had a savior. Um, so he didn't, I didn't need him for that. Um, so when I met him, he could uh, live in the position that I needed him to be in and not in a position that I would have put him in before that healing process. So... I want to tell you a little bit more about this quarter-life crisis and and then just offer some wisdom if you find yourself in this position. Um, So when I do research about quarter-life crisis, it's called a developmental crisis um, uh, for ages 18 through 30. It may be early, it may be beyond 30. Some people may start a little earlier, Um, but it's a period of instability and transition. And, and heightened emotions. I hear a lot of my students say, man, adulting is hard. Adulting is hard. And a lot of times they're talking about finances and relationships and all the stuff, but adulting is hard. That That's a part of this quarter life crisis um, that we're talking about. Um, it happens when you experience difficulty um, in settling down in relationships and finances and work and identity and purpose. A lot of it has to do with achievement. Who am I? Am I falling behind? Am I doing well in this adult thing? Am I achieving my full potential? Um, It can be a period of healthy skepticism, but it can also uh, become very overwhelming. 
And it can manifest itself in anxiety um, or body pain, physical pain, uh, digestive issues, insomnia, um, fear of missing out, comparison to other people's lives. Um, That's how it will manifest itself. Uh, Millennials are a generation of people who want to do work that matters. You're not down to do work just to say you have a job. You don't just want to title. You don't just want a, t- a, a, a salary. You want to know that you are making a difference in the work that you're doing. And the process of finding that work where you make a difference can be very difficult and it can be distressing and it can cause you to find yourself in the midst of this quarter life crisis because you are trying to make an impact. And there's nothing wrong with finding work that matters. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make an impact. But let me encourage you. And and, and here's the wisdom that I want to give to you. First of all, success is not a straight shot. It's not a straight path. Anyone who tells you that you need to know what you're called to do in your 20s and you need to pursue that, and it doesn't happen that way, my friends. Success develops as you develop. What you're successful at and what you should be doing in one season of your life is not necessarily the same thing that you will be doing in a different season. As you walk through life, I always tell my students, do well where you are. You know, I was a 10-year plan person, you know, and I'm not saying don't do your vision board or don't write the vision. I believe in writing the vision. But when you write the vision, leave room for God. Submit it to him so that he can guide your path because that path is not a straight shot and you won't always know what you're supposed to do or what your impact is or or it won't always uh, come the way that you expect. It won't always be what you majored in in college. It won't always be what your family always told you you would be. It is a journey. Give yourself grace to take the journey of identity. You get to learn and you get to dig and you get to discover you and you need space to do that. Sometimes that means physical space, like away from what's familiar. Sometimes that means emotional and mental space. You need space to discover you and you need grace to know that that is a path. And you don't just discover it overnight. And you shouldn't just wake up one day and know who you are and what you're created to do. I will tell you this. One thing I learned about purpose is you don't chase purpose. You don't chase purpose. You chase the purpose giver. And as you chase the purpose giver, purpose will literally flow out of you. It will literally flow from you. You will find yourself doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing without realizing that you stepped into it because purpose will explode from you as you seek the purpose giver. So know that purpose and success is a winding path and it is not a straight shot and you need to give yourself grace to get there and you need to give yourself space 
to get there. The second thing that I want to encourage you, stop the comparison cycle, y'all. I explained to you my quarter life crisis, but I have to tell you that the weight that you all carry is much heavier because when I was walking through, I mean, my space just barely came out and, you know, it was what it was. But today you not only see and see my air quotes, the success of your friend group, but you see the success of people your age all over the world because it is constantly in your face. It is constantly in your face through social media. And I love social media. I absolutely love social media, but the danger of it is you are constantly comparing yourself to the highlight reel of other people and what looks like success. So we're they're posting their jobs and their promotions and 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 getting engaged and their relationships and their trips around the world and you know their new cars and their houses and and there's nothing wrong with celebrating accomplishments. But please know that you don't know the whole story. All of it is a highlight reel. You don't know what it cost that person to be who they are. You don't even know if they're happy with it. So be very careful comparing your whole life to somebody's highlight reel. That comparison cycle has to stop because it will destroy you. Comparison is a thief. It is a thief and it will destroy you. The last thing that I want to encourage you concerning this quarter life crisis Do not be afraid to start over. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, ashamed, or too prideful to start over. Moving in with my dad at 27 years old was the restart that I needed. And it took me swallowing my pride It took me swallowing my pride. I was getting my grown woman on. And I had to let all of that go to realize I needed help. And I needed somebody to love on me. I needed somebody to love on me. And I couldn't put that on my friends any longer. They didn't owe that to me. My dad didn't owe it to me. But I'm so grateful that he loved on me. I needed him and I needed that in that season of life. Do not be afraid to start over. When you notice that everything is shaking and it seems like everything is falling apart, that means it's time for a transition. It's time for something to change. So be ready for the change. Be open for the change, even if it's not something that you planned. Be open to the change and do not be afraid to hit restart and to start over. So that's what I got for you today, my friends. That's what I wanted to share with you. This quarter life crisis is real and I believe that it affects different people at different levels. But wherever you are, if you are single, if you are married, if you have children, if you don't have children, if you're in the career that you love, if you're just working to get by, whatever stage you're in, the grass always looks greener, y'all. 
It always looks greener, but you have no idea the cost of that green grass. So make sure you stay in your purpose. Make sure you stay in your lane. Make sure you stay in your life, in your order steps, those steps that were ordered just for you. Give yourself space and grace to walk this season out. I'm telling you now at 40 years old, I'm literally just discovering who I am and what I offered in the world. And the path of getting here was beautiful. And I needed all of it in order to be here today. Give yourself space and grace. You need to walk this out. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. And just know that we're walking through this with you. You can do this and you're going to be all right. Love always. PBJ.